0: When in fact, you've got a congregation full of lost sheep. You've got a congregation full of sinners who need to hear the word of forgiveness.
1: What's up, everybody? And welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. In this week's text, Jesus tells tax collectors and sinners one of his most well known parables the parable of the lost sheep. Sarah Stenson teaches us that all parables are about election. What's a better demonstration of this than God seeking a lost sinner, putting us on his shoulder, and rejoicing at the lost sheep receiving grace? We also break down verse 7 that says, Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And ask this question, who needs no repentance? Let's get to this week's conversation. Here's Luke chapter 15 verses 1 through 10. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable, Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, He calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And now on to this week's conversation. Welcome back to Scripture First. We have Sarah Stenson with us this week. Thanks for being here, Sarah.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: So we are in the
2: 15th chapter of Luke, Sarah. Last week we're in the 14th chapter, so it was not we're not far off. We're, we're making we're, progress. Yeah, we're making progress. We're <laughs> yeah. chugging along. Uh, and uh, two familiar parables, one sort of familiar saying at the front, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. Maybe uh, if there's any other context you want to uh, add, or uh, we can just get started right away.
0: Yeah, so I don't I'm assuming you talked about this um for last week since it was just the chapter 4, but the crowds here in Luke 15 are continuing to build. So this mm-hmm. is sometimes we'll get parables in different gospel accounts where Jesus is just talking to his disciples or just a few people, but this is this is not that um setting or situation. Lots of crowds and he's getting a lot of attention.
1: Yeah. All the tax collectors and sinners.
0: <laughs> they group the two together, yes, <laughs> rightfully so. Fair, yeah, <laughs> right? We're coming near to listen to him. Mm-hmm. And then we're gonna hear this, of course, the Pharisee and the scribes are, are jumbled always, together. Exactly, yeah. they're grumbling and they're saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. And of course, this is not a good thing when the scribes and Pharisees are saying that. They weren't saying that like, Ooh, pat him on the back. Look how him. welcome and inclusive he is. Nope, mm-hmm. that's not what they were saying. Um, there's this Latin expression, "Societas peccatorum, society of sinners. That's what they're actually getting at. And it it's actually even goes back to like when you guys were young and your mom didn't want you to hang out with bad kids, bad influence. That's exactly what this is getting at. They're, it's an accusatory statement that Jesus now is welcoming sinners and eating with them, breaking all sorts of actual Jewish law, but also just conventional, right?
2: There's some, I mean, there is some, what, how do you even say this? Wisdom in that. I mean, yeah. my parents didn't let me in pl- this play world? with friends when Absolutely. I was younger. Absolutely. <laughs> like, no, they, I said the same yeah, thing to my yeah. kids.
0: No, of that's Of the world, not, yeah.
2: Yeah, there's some wisdom in it.
0: worldly wisdom, Exactly. The thing a lot that starts, of manners
1: are learned around the dinner table, so don't, don't eat with them either.
0: Right, exactly. That's, right. No, that's exactly right. But um, the thing it starts to set up in this text, this Luke 15 um, text, is it starts to set up an us-them mentality. Right off the bat here in the first two sentences, two verses, um, don't hang out with those people, mm-hmm. the bad people the sinners, um, don't eat with them. Um, But if you find yourself in any context now when we're talking about these parables, and so hold on to that thought as we get a little further in, in an us-them mentality, you're actually doing the very thing the scribes and the Pharisees were doing as they were pointing fingers and saying, those people, he's hanging out with those people.
2: As if they weren't sinners too, this fellow welcome sinners. (laughs)
0: Exactly.
2: (laughs) Ding, ding,
1: ding, 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 ding. Yeah,
3: right. So Jesus overhears this. And obviously, as one naturally does, you just go into a parable because he does nothing else except go into parables. He is fond of
0: parables. He loves
3: his parables. It's true. And this is one of, I would say one of the most known children's nursery rhymes everything mm-hmm. illustrations children's books mm-hmm. is about the lost sheep yep and jesus leaving the
0: rest of his flock to go and find right. this lost sheep it's definitely an easier thing to get your head around than a woman looking for a coin <laughs> so <laughs>
3: yeah i well, can yeah. go for the like, little fuzzy sheep yes. right Exactly, we have them
0: like on our beds. Exactly, (laughs) we don't have coins. (laughs) My daughter actually had a little lammy, so exactly right. Much nicer than the lost coin. So you're right. We tend to focus on this lost. Going to get my kid a
1: stuffed coin.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
3: (laughs) That'll that'll be my baptism gift to you guys if you have kids. (laughs) Stuffed coin.
0: The thing to remember in all of this is verse three. So he told them this parable. Parables are always about election. So Jesus is telling this in a specific context, but it's always about election. And specifically, of course, God's electing sinners. That's what's always afoot when Jesus is telling these parables. So it's easy to turn these things into law. Mm -hmm. This is law and gospel. Election, of course, is that God electing us into his uh, kingdom giving us his forgiveness.
1: So when you say that, is that when you you're putting yourself as one of the characters in the parable? Is that
0: it can be, or hearing this, this specific parable or the, the coin, it's the same. They parallel each other um, almost down the line, turning it into a law, like, okay, now this is whatever our call to action that's in the law. Because you're turning this into, oh, Jesus is telling us what we have to do. Well, guess who just got sidelined? Jesus got sidelined. That's why I'm saying it's about election and specifically God electing sinners into his uh, he's, he's kingdom. Telling,
1: he's not telling you what to do. He's telling you what he's doing.
0: Exactly. There you go. Okay. Yes. Nice. Yeah.
2: <laughs> okay. And so, he, I mean, he tells it decently pragmatic story uh which of you having a hundred sheep and losing one of them does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after one that is lost until he finds it i wish i had sheep because then i would have real wealth but i don't think i would uh go after the one sheep i would just stick right. with the 99 yeah well
3: that's yeah
1: that, i mean when you say it's pragmatic i mean that seems like which one of you wouldn't do this I'm yeah. like well uh, probably me. Yeah. Right? Unless
3: you I feel like <laughs> I would if I knew the others were safe. But the 99 you know are
1: in the wilderness. I feel mm. like
2: that's Yeah, that's, that's true. A but dicey. if I knew
3: they were like in a fenced in <laughs> area, i like all right. If it's before dark, I'll go find it. Yeah. Um before, before I'll send I get my sheep dog too far dog, down
0: <laughs> the path of sheep farming and herding. <laughs> in Jesus' time specifically, um I do want to he is saying um, that, of course, you're going to go after the one that's lost. That is actually part of the function of a shepherd is to go, you know, find the one that got stuck in the cliff somewhere. Um, but then he goes on to say, um, so he, the shepherd finds the lost sheep, lays it on his shoulder. So the sheep is, you know, just hanging out on the shoulders and rejoices. And when he can- comes home, calls together his friends and neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. So this is where it starts to get, again, this is a parable of election. So that word rejoice in the Greek is synchiro, and This sin or soon is uh, with, and then the chiro is God's grace. So it's a compound word. So that "synkairo" literally means being in God's grace with another, or mutually participating in God's grace. So this isn't we can hear kind of rejoice as a like, woo, high five, like, yay! Mm-hmm. I'm throwing a Celebrate, party. right? But it's about God and specifically a recognition of the grace of God. And you remember, Luther Scripture defines grace not as a substance, which is what happened in the first 1500 years or so of church history. It got turned into a substance. Grace is God's. Disposition, his attitude toward us, toward you. It's not a substance. So we know now in this parable, God's grace, God's disposition toward that lost sheep, his attitude is that God sought that sheep out, found it, put it on his shoulders, and carried it home. So to your point earlier, Mason, this is about God and what God does for us sinners, the lost sheep.
2: And there's, I mean, there's no um, sense of wrath or anger either of why the sheep was lost. Dumb sheep. Right. It's a dumb sheep. uh, Yeah. Like, or, or just getting that like baseline, (laughs) but there's joy.
0: Exactly. And again, a parable. So pull back a little bit more on the sheep. They're, known to be kind of stupid. I grew up actually across the a farm over from a sheep farm. They are dumb. They are dumb, not as dumb as a turkey, but they are not the brightest animals in God's created kingdom.
1: Shots fired, all
0: right. <laughs> exactly. Take, take <laughs> that, lamby. <Lanny>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but the sheep was not out looking for help. It didn't know it was lost. We have no sign that it was Distressed, It was just doing its sheep thing, out wandering around, and yet the shepherd looked for that lost sheep. The shepherd knew it was lost. The sheep didn't know it was lost. It wasn't a seeker. It wasn't looking to be found. It was just wandering around doing its sheep thing, and the shepherd found it, put it. <laughs> Put you the sheep on a
1: thing for <laughs>
3: us. It's our new <laughs> thing. I think I would be end up oh, like really doing your sheep thing.
1: <laughs> but again, we're it's you saying that I'm like okay, great. So I'm the sheep in this parable. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm again naturally falling into this yeah this trap of thinking. Okay, am I the shepherd here? Am I the sheep here? Am I the ninety nine? Am Ex- I the one? And that's fair. Trying to place myself in, yes. in this. And we're going to do that.
0: A little bit just to go a little bit further. And I I think that's exactly where we need to go in this. Okay. So when it says the sheep is lost, Mm -hmm.
3: is it referring to people that maybe we don't know this? Is it referring to people who have not come and found Christ yet? Or is it referring
0: to people who have come and are lost? Very good question. And have left Christ. No, that's exactly it. You put your thumb right on it. But I'm going to hold the answer a little bit because we're going to work through the rest of verse 7. You do your sheep thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so verse 7, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven. So again, we're going to look at the Greek there in joy. It's charis, and it literally means awareness of God's favor and grace. So look how well that fits in. It's the same root right there, the Cairo. As with the rejoice. So it's all, again, about God and his disposition, his mercy, his work in seeking out the lost and bringing them home to him, with him, literally carrying him on his shoulders. So even in that word, the rejoice and the joy, very much the same, well, it's the same word that Cairo. So now we have, end of verse 7. There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So Mm. here's the question, because now we're not talking about sheep. Jesus is talking about people, 99 righteous people, persons, who need no repentance. So here's the question, who needs no repentance?
1: that seems like a trick question
0: i feel like it
3: depends on what the person's definition of repentance is cuz if you go by our definition then
0: everyone needs repentance sinners need repentance
3: right
0: mhm sinners are the ones who need to be remember repent is metanoia change after being encountered by some Something or someone. So it's that turn, the being repented. Sinners are the ones who need to be repented to be turned. And of course, we know it's in the proclamation of you're the man, you are the sinner, Nathan and David. So in this case, 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Well, the answer is there. When you are righteous, in other words, when you are in good standing with God, of course you need no repentance. But when does that happen? How do you know you're righteous? Well, when you die. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And here and now, when does that happen, that you are righteous? When you have Jesus in your ear. Mm-hmm. When you have faith in Christ.
1: When your sins have been forgiven.
0: Exactly. And the Holy Spirit has functioned to make you believe your sins have been forgiven. That's the proclamation of Christ's gospel of forgiveness. It's in the sacraments. That is a very fleeting event. Or occurrence in the lives of sinners, all of us. Mm-hmm. It's the peace that surpasses all understanding. Usually
1: happens for about like four seconds. Exactly. During then you a turn around, and then it's gone.
0: Right. Exactly. No, mm-hmm. that's it. So, abs- it, this is a, of course, righteous people do not need repentance, but most of us, most of the time, are not righteous people, and that's one of the pivots or keys in this text for this this Sunday this upcoming Sunday that we assume we are the 99 if you're the one going to church you're sitting in a congregation well then mm-hmm. I'm the 99 righteous now it's up to us to go chase mm-hmm. after the one bad person
1: who just happened to be in church that Sunday.
0: Exactly. Or who isn't in church. And sometimes this will get turned into a literally a call to action, but it's with an us-them mentality. Mm -hmm. And there's a difference between that and recognizing I am no different than the sinners wandering around on a Sunday morning having nothing to do with a church or walking into a congregation. But for the fact that the Holy Spirit drew me in to hear that sermon, to receive the sacrament. So, of course, there is that distinction, but this quickly gets turned into us, them. When we're in a mm-hmm. congregation where the 99, now it's a call to action about we need to go Get the chase one. down the one. Exactly. And we're going to define who the one is. That's not what this parable is about at all. That's actually doing the same thing as the scribes and the Pharisees. Hmm. You've turned it into an us, them, and you've turned it into a law. Huh. Well, that's an interesting spin. Exactly. Yeah. And it's 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 the same. That is why that was right, Mason. That was a trick question on the who needs no repentance. Well, I'm, I'll go out on a limb here, not much of a limb, to say they are going to be a A fair number of sermons preached on this text, when it's going to sound to the people sitting in the pews like they are not, uh, that they are the righteous person who needs no repentance. When in fact, you've got a congregation full of lost sheep. You've got a congregation full of sinners who need to hear the word of forgiveness after they've been called sinner, by the way. Mm -hmm. They need both. So, Otherwise, you're doing the very thing the scribes and Pharisees did. Do you see what I mean, Curie? Mm-hmm.
2: So he has another parable um, right after. It's not quite as cute. Uh, no. no fuzzy sheep. <laughs> no fuzzy sheep. So, or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me for I have found the coin that I had lost so interesting because she's calling over friends and neighbors to find a coin. I just like uh,
3: She's forgotten about the 99 yeah. righteous coins. Right? <laughs> well,
0: and it, it just, it's a complete parallel. And then I tell you there's joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. And so there's the word again, Bo- and note the parallels there. We've got the... Um, righteous person who need no repentance, that ends the parable of the lost sheep. And now we've got uh, one sinner who repents, ends the par- the parable of the lost coin. So I mentioned it briefly already, that word repent. We've talked about it before on these podcasts, the metanoia, it's passive, change after being encountered by someone or something. So you don't get much more passive than a stupid sheep. So, the sheep did not repent itself, didn't know it was lost. We talked about that already. Um, but the key, and this is f- fair to do this, is um, if you're going to break it down into who's what role in these parables, God is the shepherd who throws the lost sheep, us sinners, on his shoulders and carries us home, which is in my opinion, one of the most comforting things you can hear mm-hmm. as a sinner. Even if you don't think you're a sinner, you don't know you're lost, it doesn't take too long in a sermon to hold the mirror up to say, oh, you know what, I am actually, I am the lost sheep. I'm consumed by my own whatever, worry, fear, idolatry, mm-hmm. um, all sorts of things, but God now... And here's the moment of election. You know when you are talking to baptized people, that moment of election happened in the baptism. So you know that you are, when you're preaching this text, your congregation members are the lost sheep God throws on his shoulders and carries home. And finally, ultimately, home when our hearts stop beating in that moment really carries us home So God is the one hunting us down, finding us, carrying us home to safety, exactly, to faith, faith, peace, faith in God alone. So that is why the sinners and the tax collectors had an ear for Jesus at the beginning of the text, and not those, the ones who thought they were good at the law, which is, again, the danger, and also it's very... um, tempting to do this to the text, but it's a danger to do this and not recommended to turn this into a text of 99 righteous. You're all sitting right here in front of me. Now let's go get the one. That's not what this is about. That that moment, you are making your people, your congregation members into the tax collectors and, or I mean, into the scribes and Pharisees, those who don't think they need repentance. They don't need a shepherd to throw them on their shoulders and carry them home. So in that moment, you know, you've got the Pharisees at work. They don't have an ear for Jesus. But again, in a sermon, and when you're working through this text in your home and with uh, fellow Christians, in the moment of baptism, we know, we know, we are the sheep the shepherd has sought out. That's the moment of election. That's our baptism. We don't have to worry about whether or not we're going to be found, you don't have to worry about my grandchild who, or my child who has made really bad life decisions. Oh, my gosh, they're really bad sinners, but I'm going to church all the time. Another twist on the same, same story. Nope, that child is the lost sheep for whom God gave the promise, to whom God gave the promise. will throw that child on the shoulders and carry the child home.
1: And on that note, we've reached the end of this week's episode, my friends. Thank you to Sarah Stenson for teaching us. When Jesus says, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Rejoice in the Greek means being in God's grace with another. Luther defined grace as God's disposition his attitude towards us. And who is in need of repentance? It's sinners, it's us. That's why knowing this parable is an election text is so powerful. Jesus is seeking his lost sheep, putting us on his shoulder and rejoicing at giving us faith, giving us his kingdom. Luther House of Study's mission is to strengthen Lutheran leadership and ministries for the proclamation of the gospel. We wouldn't be able to serve current and future ministry professionals as well as members of the church without the generous support of people just like you. If you or your congregation is interested in sponsoring an episode of Scripture First, please send Sarah Stenson an email at sarah.stenson at org. That's sarah.stenson at org. You can find our email in the show notes or find more information about supporting Luther House of Study at lutherhouseofstudy.org. Thanks again for joining us this week. Remember, you are the lost sheep God has sought. We'll see you next time on Scripture First.